0: mercy and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is the text of Galatians, Paul's letter to that church in his second chapter. Through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dear friends of Christ, you know when I was a kid I had good balance and the older I get the less I'm able to balance myself but I remember as a kid it was about uh, you know three quarters of a mile on the way home and a railroad track ran behind my house all the way to my school and so I would walk a block to the railroad track and then I'd balance on that rail and I was able to walk all the way home without falling off once. You know, I'm pretty proud of how I was able to keep my balance. And, uh, but of course, you know, as you get older, it's not so easy. Your feet get larger. And, but this morning, I want to talk about keeping our balance spiritually. Because keeping your balance spiritually is even more difficult. And we're finding it even more difficult in the church. With all the different teachings out there, uh, it's called universalism. And we see it everywhere in the world today you can get to heaven all you have to do is be good you can get to heaven all you have to do is believe in some kind of God everybody can get to heaven it doesn't matter what kind of life you lived ah we know they're watching over us They're in heaven and God isn't so clear on that or God is very clear on that he says there's only one way it's only through Jesus Christ so spiritually speaking we face an uphill battle does the church uh, speaking against sin and every evil, temptations they coming right into our home through uh, you know, devices such as Netflix and, and our very own personal computer that we carry in our hand with our cell phones, uh, things that we would never go see come right before our face. And temptations, with these temptations, it's difficult to stay on track more than it has ever been. And faith, true faith, is growing more difficult as we near the end of the world. Staying on track with that clear message that we're saved through faith in Christ alone and saved by grace alone in Scripture alone is is becoming difficult. Satan is attacking that message with every opportunity. That's what Satan does. He hates the fact that we're saved by grace because he can't. If you know you're saved by the blood of Jesus, Satan has no power over you. You can fall into sin a hundred times and you cry out, Lord, have mercy upon me. King David in our Old Testament, he was a murderer and an adulterer. And Nathan the prophet comes and said, you, you're the one. Forgive me. The woman, the prostitute in our gospel lesson, right? And there she is wiping Jesus' feet with her tears. Sounds very sensual, sounds very sexual. It wasn't. Jesus knew it. Her heart was broken. She was seeking forgiveness in Christ alone. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. I set you free. It's that grace, it's that undeserved love by which we stand. Satan is attacking that message at every opportunity and saying, you you don't have to believe in Jesus, you don't have to believe in the Bible, just believe in something, (laughs) and all roads lead to heaven. And, of course, the devil will do anything to derail the church, to get us off balance, to get us off track. That's what the devil was doing to the Galatian church. Paul was frustrated that these people who were just in their infancy in faith, the brand new Christian church, had lost the gospel so quickly. How quickly they had allowed themselves to be deceived. Persuasive teachers had come in. I would imagine, much like the persuasive teachers we have on TV, misled them. These false teachers came, and they were so persuasive, they even misled Peter, Cephas in our text. just another name for Peter. They misled Peter, and they misled Barnabas, leaders of the church. The great apostle Peter misled. If he can be misled, what of us? Are we easily misled Satan attacked the church and by golly if you don't think Satan's still attacking the church today you've got another thing coming Satan never gives up attacking the church attacking this truth that we're saved by grace and grace sets us free and Satan will attack the church promoting other ways of salvation until Christ comes again grace alone through faith in Christ alone In scripture alone. And that's why it's important for us to stay spiritually balanced. We need to, as our theme suggests, stay on track. Listen, I want you to think about what happens when a train derails and gets off track. Now, put that image in your mind of what happens as that train runs off the rails, and think about all that mess, all the twisted metal, and the cars piling up on one another. Well, Paul looked at the Galatian church and he saw a spiritual train wreck about to happen. It disturbed him. He saw that these people were in danger of getting off track, getting derailed. And that's why he started his letter with such strong words. He said, I'm astonished at you. I can't believe you people Are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ, by God's grace, and you're now turning to a different gospel. How dare you turn to a different way of salvation? Oh, there are so many different gospels today out there, so many different ways to be saved. How could the Galatians have gotten off track so quickly? Did they, really think, did they really think that their obedience to Christ would trump and, and, and overcome the power of Christ's blood? Did they think that their obedience to the laws and regulations of the church would, would be so powerful to save them over the sacrifice that Christ made when He came into the world? Are you kidding me? how could they think so highly of themselves grace alone through faith in Christ alone by scripture alone. even peter was even peter was off track and and that's why paul writes when peter came to antioch i opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong The apostle, the great apostle Paul, stood up and opposed the great apostle Peter, took him to task face to face. You're preaching another gospel. You're a train wreck about to happen. I'm sure Peter didn't like it too much, but Paul says he was in the wrong, and of course Peter. Peter knew it. You see, Peter had quit eating with the Gentile Christians. You realize you and I are Gentiles. There's the Jews and there's the Gentiles. The word Gentile means dog. So Peter was eating with the dogs. The dogs were the unbelievers, but these were Gentile believers. They were no longer dogs. And remember, God had given Peter a vision. Remember that vision? It was a, a sheet coming down out of heaven with, filled with all kinds of unclean animals, the type of animals that in the Old Testament, according to all the religious rules of worship in the Old Testament, which was to be kept in the Old Testament, here comes all these unclean animals, and God said, eat them. You see, the idea was that the Gentile Christians didn't have to obey the Old Testament laws and rules because when Christ arrived on the scene, He fulfilled all of that obedience of the Old Testament that the people were supposed to have been doing and didn't do. Christ was a fulfillment of the obedience. Christ was a fulfillment of all those laws. And the, the Jewish believers, though, they felt like they had to continue in all of their rituals and all of their circumcision and, and all of the things that they had and and their passover feasts and the jewish believers thought that they were uh, first-class christians first-class christians and these gentile believers they were second-class christians because they weren't circumcised second-class christians so our text says peter used to eat with the Gentiles, but when the Jewish Christians arrived in the Galatian church, Peter listened to them, and he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged belonged to the circumcision group. Listen, Peter had reached out to the Gentiles. He was eating with them because the Lord had given him that vision, and so he had welcomed them, and, and he was part of them, and he celebrated them. When Christ came, though, it changed everything. And now we're not saved, or we were never saved, but we're not saved by religious uh, uh, observances. Christ has come, we're saved by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, in Scripture alone. God's grace, undeserved love, in His sacrifice alone, just as God's Word says. We're bound to that. Satan is so good, though. He knows how to get us off track. He knows how to get us off of God's Word. He knows how to get us uh, so we're not focused on Christ anymore, and we follow other ways. And, of course, he successfully misled Peter. Do you remember when he misled Peter the first time? Do you remember that? Christ was being crucified, and and Satan comes to him. Do you know this Jesus? I don't know the blankety-blank man. Remember that? Denied Jesus three times. And so Satan comes to Peter. He's attacking him again. And this time he leads Peter to question whether the message of salvation, of grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, by Scripture alone, is meant for the Gentiles. Let me give you a story to illustrate how subtly Satan comes to get us off track, to mislead us, to derail salvation in us, so that we seek other ways of salvation. That are dangerous, that cause a train wreck, other than what Christ has done. I want us to consider a man. Now, the man's name is important. His name is Ben Trying. Ben trying. Now, Ben believed in God, but he he lived a wild life. Ben trying, believed in God, but he seldom came to church. Didn't worship the Lord much. Didn't see the need. He could stay at home and he was just fine. He could worship the Lord in his boat. He could worship the Lord on the golf course just fine. But Ben trying didn't spend a lot of time in God's Word. One day, Ben took ill. They gave him a few months to live. His four sisters were faithful Christians and they wanted to talk to him before he died they wanted to talk to him about Jesus they wanted to talk to him about salvation and so one sister said Ben I know you don't have much longer to live why don't you try being more like Jesus and maybe have mercy and save your soul and Ben said to her her rather sadly I've been trying The next sister comes in and says, Ben, I know you don't have much longer to live. Why don't, you, why don't you pray to Jesus more? Maybe he'll answer your prayers. And Ben had a sad look in his face, looked at his sister and said, I've been trying. And the other sister comes to him and said, Ben, you don't have much longer to live. Jesus died for all your sins, Ben. Why don't you just accept them into your heart? All you have to do is accept them into your heart. If you accept them into your heart, you do all that work, God's going to love you. And Ben, you could hear the sadness in his voice. He said, I've been trying. Finally, his youngest sister came to him and said, Ben, I love you. God loves you. You know that. We were raised in the faith. But Ben, you don't have long to live. Listen, our lives have been filled with things we regret. Sins that, by which we've offended God. We both have sinned and our lives have fallen short of the glory of God. Do you remember how we used to fight as kids? Do you remember... How we used to frustrate mom by our disobedience and our rebellion and how, remember how mom used to cry? We'd make her cry because we were evil. Do you remember the evil things we did? Do you remember the evil thoughts we had? Listen, Ben, if God is a just and loving God, he could never overlook such disobedience. If God is a just and loving God and we're bad, we deserve to be punished. But, Ben, that's why God sent his son Jesus. And Jesus took all of our sins, including the sin of the whole world, and placed them on his shoulders. And Jesus bore our sins for us. And he paid the price by his blood. And he set us free. And he saved us not with silver or gold but with his holy, precious, innocent suffering and death, Ben. And then he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead so that it might be real in both of us. Ben looked at his sister. He smiled. And he said, nothing. He just thought, because at that moment in his life, Ben trying Ben trying, quit trying. And the Lord opened up his heart to believe and Ben realized that God's grace is sufficient. And he saw God's unconditional love and the message of the gospel was clear. He was saved by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, in scripture alone. And how beautifully the apostle Paul talks about all that in our text. We who were Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. No one will be justified by observing the rules. The Gentile sinners are saved. They don't have to observe the law to be saved. Don't you see? Christ has kept the law for us. That's why he came. He came to bear all the rules for us, he became to be that perfection that we cannot be. And he's our Savior, our life. And no one can be saved by observing the law. You know, people are constantly trying to justify their sin because they think we can be saved. They're constantly trying to justify who they are as if their behavior somehow makes them better than everybody else's behavior. That somehow, because they justify themselves, they deserve preference from God. A parent reprimands a child for hitting his sister. And what does a child do? The child justifies his behavior. Well, she hit me first. So it's okay for me to hit her. A husband is mean to his wife. He justifies his behavior. Well, she was mean to me. I'm just getting even. Anybody would do the same thing. I'm just a normal old person. It's okay. The words of the Bible are so simple and clear. By observing the law, no one will be justified. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. My friends, your faith is precious. It's a precious, precious gift given to you by the Holy Spirit. And your faith connects you to Jesus. Your faith connects you to His resurrection, to the empty tomb, to His suffering and death. In your baptism, you literally died with Jesus. Our baptismal font's over here because we've had so many funerals this week, but at least its I can point to it. You know, it's right here. But the, in your baptism, the Bible says, you died with Christ and you rise to a new life. Your sins were buried in the waters of baptism. And you rise new, forgiven, redeemed, In a new way of life, Romans says, If we have been united with Christ in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His, for we know that our old sinful self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with and that we be no longer slaves to sin. This precious God-given faith enables you to say with the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. Christ lives in you. He keeps you on track. His grace keeps you balanced because he saves you by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, by Scripture alone. I want you to think all that Jesus has done for you, all all that he suffered for you, the price that he paid so your heavenly Father would overlook all your sins and all your transgressions. Think about all that and then say with Paul, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.